What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is the Monday Night Football Recap Show. Seahawks, Vikings, huge game in the NFC playoff race. Seahawks win 37 to 30. The Seahawks cover a late field goal, uh, by, um, Jason Myers actually gave it, it made a seven point lead. Otherwise it was staring down, uh, Dan, everybody was going to be very mad at Dan Bailey. The line was three. Dan Bailey, Dan Bailey missed a late extra point. We'll get into all the details of that. We're going to rank some coaches in a positive way because we've been bashing them the last few weeks. Uh, after the break, hit the news, all those things. But first let's dive into the action from the game. Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins. What do you know, Ryan Wilson? Kirk Cousins comes out on the bottom once again. Comes out of the bottom. What does that mean? He's 0-8 on Monday Night Football. Yeah, not good. It wasn't his fault. He had the one interception, which was sort of a fluke play along the sideline there. It was a great play by the... Where you welcome in Sean and Ryan, too, if you want. Well, I called... Sean Yeah, I call Ryan Breach now. So, Breach, hello. Sean, hello. We don't like to say hellos, but Brinson insists on it. I'll continue with my very important thought. I don't think this was Kirby Cousins' fault. I will call him Kirby since he lost the game on Monday night. He's now 0 and 8. But, um, you know, a lot of things happen. Most of them out of his control. I thought he played a pretty good football game for the most part. Um, I, I can't exactly put my finger on, on why they struggled. It was more defensive, I felt like. They couldn't stop the run. And to start this game, my thought was Brian Schottenheimer is going to call every running play ever invented. And they're not going to be able to do anything about it. And he did call every running play ever, ever invented, and it actually happened to work. Um, Russell ended up throwing the ball 31 times, but I felt like he could have been used more. And what I'm most angry about is I had Tyler Lockett on my fantasy team. He was targeted three times with absolutely zero yards, zero catches. Unconscionable. We call that the Sammy Watkins in this business. <laughs> he got Sammy Watkins. What I uh, what I thought was interesting from this game is that Ryan kind of mentioned how it felt like the Seahawks were running the ball on every down, and it really did feel that way to the point where it's always frustrating, and we always bash the Seahawks' conservative offensive approach. The problem, the thing is, it's hard to bash them because it actually was just that effective against the Vikings, which I thought was surprising as someone going up against Chris Carson in a playoff game. I felt coming into it pretty comfortable. Um, and the Vikings just had no answers. It didn't matter if it was Carson. It didn't matter if it was Penny. I thought Penny actually had a better game than Carson. Um, so it's boring to watch, especially when Russell Wilson is their quarterback. You'd love to see him drop back to pass all the time. Um, but I don't, this is one of those games. I don't think you can fault the Seahawks that much for their approach because it actually worked. But also it was setting up to be one of those games where Seahawks fans were like, why are we running on every play? This is the one of the best rush defenses in the NFL. And that's, if you watch the first possession, that's really what it was angling at. The Seahawks just, boom, got the ball. They punted. I think they ran it three times on five plays. And you could just see, like... And breach. See, it was fourth and one. And what did they do? Well, and that's... I was going to get to that, too. And that was where classic... I mean, this is a fan base that was arguing on Twitter this weekend about whether or not Pete Carroll should have been fired in 2017 if the team would be better off right now because he does. And I don't think that's what Seahawks Twitter was arguing uh, in the lead up to the game. And this was a classic. This is why we don't want Carroll first drive because he went run, 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 run against this Vikings defense. It's only giving up 94 yards per game. Then he punted on fourth and one from his own 47 yard line. I would say probably 20% of the coaches go, for it in the NFL at this point with the way analytics has kind of changed things, not Pete Carroll. The man sticks to his guns 
and uh, he punted. So that first drive was a little creepy. As Sean said, you know, the the Seahawks went off. They stuck with their run game, and for once, it did work. And so you can't really complain if you're a Seahawks fan after this game. Well, but, you only yes, go ahead. Breach, you only think twenty percent of coaches would go for there. I think north of fifty percent. Should we go through all of them? <laughs> no. Go ahead, Brent. Why don't we list coaches after the break? Um, look, the it felt like I mean the Vikings dominated that game in the first half. Like they like they were. And by the way, the game finished in a tidy three hours and thirteen minutes. Uh, Pete Carroll and uh, and and Mike for a game with sixty seven points. That's really freaking fast. Like to score sixty seven points in three hours and thirteen minutes is incredible. Um, they were they were pretty committed to running the ball. Although once Dalvin Cook got injured and on the same place, Stephon Diggs briefly got injured. He didn't play very well in this game. Twenty five four catches, twenty five yards. Yikes. Um, Laquan Treadwell, one catch, 58 yards, a touchdown pass from Kirk Cousins, leading receiver. Alexander Madison, second leading receiver. Kyle Rudolph, third leading receiver, four catches, 50, 50 yards. Madison at 451. Cousins had a nice game, but like they were trying to get the running game going with Dalvin Cook, Sean, and it just couldn't, it didn't work. And then he suffered a shoulder injury and he might be, uh, might be done for the year. Yeah. It, it I think what's notable. <laughs> What's notable is that the C- we talked about it every week, and I know the Seahawks gave up 30 points, so it feels weird to like praise them. Uh, but I actually think the Seahawks defense continues to play better and better. And this was a 34 to 17 game um, in the fourth quarter. It did feel over. That doesn't excuse the 58 yard touchdown that the Seahawks did allow to Laquan Treadwell, which was a complete uh, blown coverage. It doesn't excuse any of that. But I do think the Seahawks defense is improving, and that is and that is notable on the um, Dalvin Cook injury front. I actually thought Alexander Madison actually played pretty well. And so, look, I don't want to get into the whole running backs don't matter and all that. But uh, at the same time, I don't think as far as good of a running back as Dalvin Cook is, definitely one of the best in football. I don't think this is the kind of injury that will hamstring the uh, the Vikings. I think they'll be just fine with Alexander Madison. And, and you know what? Ignore that I said he might be out for the year. That's just not accurate. I mean, like, that was my initial thought. And, look, I panicked. I got Dalvin Cook futures. I love Dalvin Cook as a player. I'm, like, rooting for Dalvin Cook to have an awesome year. So I sort of panicked there. That's not the case at all. Uh, asked by Tom Pelissero, says he got hit in the same spot as he did in the Broncos game, called it a weird injury, and said, I'll be good to go next week. So Dalvin Cook says he won't miss any time. It felt like at the moment, though, like he was like on the turf crying. Felt like it might be a knee injury. Ultimately, it was a shoulder injury. Uh, was like his, his hand was kind of dangling. Rough spot, I mean, for the Vikings. And they just, um, I don't know. The offense looked fine. It's, it's weird. It's, it's the defense breach that's like keeping the Vikings from being great right now. Yeah, I thought, you know, it was, if you look at the first half, this was just two teams, two defenses kind of exchanging blows because you look at, it was 17 to 10 at halftime, but seven of those points came on the craziest pick six that Russell Wilson threw that you'll ever see. He threw it, a Vikings defensive lineman batted it in the air. Then Russell Wilson tried to bat it to the ground, but actually volleyball tipped it up. And then Anthony Harris came in and picked it off and ran it back for a touchdown. So really, it, it felt like this game probably should have been 10-10 at halftime. And, and both defenses played pretty well. And so you look at what the Vikings did with Kirk Cousins. They had that opening drive touchdown. Then they had a field goal where they scored. They drove down in the final minute of the first half, got a field goal. And that was it for the first three quarters. Those were really their only two drives. They kind of disappeared. And then all of a sudden, you have Dalvin Cook and Stephon Diggs get injured on the same play in the third quarter where they lost a fumble, and Kirk Cousins kind of 
pulls a rabbit out of his hat in the fourth quarter with two touchdown passes. So I thought the Vikings offense had a weird night because I, I do think that they looked really bad at times, but they also looked really good at times, as did the Vikings defense. So I'm sure Mike Zimmer's a little flummoxed right now at the way this game went. By the way, you know who else was flummoxed a little bit? Just a touch. It was uh, Joe Tessitore. At one point, <laughs> there was an amazing catch by DK Metcalf, and Tess called him a little something else. As the rookie, Decaf Metcalf, DK Metcalf coughed it up. <laughs> As the rookie, Decaf Metcalf, Decaf <laughs> Metcalf, I loved it. We're not making fun of Joe Tess, who we love. No, we're not. He called him Decaf Metcalf. Come on, that's a great line. Our, uh, our social on, act- on accident. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just great. You should follow up the Decaf Metcalf line with Bruce Arians talking about getting another drink. That's my I, favorite line. I do think it's funny, though. Metcalf. De- <laughs> that, uh, Brinson, you were right on your money about that tweet that you did a month ago when you said about uh, Decaf Metcalf. WTF is the point of all the muscles if you're going to get your lunch money stolen in front of the whole cafeteria, to which that one guy replied, coming from a dude with no muscles and the athleticism of a 15-year-old pug. <laughs> <laughs> That, uh, that tweet, that tweet has been read out loud at Princeton household multiple times in the past few months. Uh, yeah, Metcalf had a bad fumble. Um, that was, uh, that was, that was no bueno for them. Um, but, uh, the, um, you know, the rookie wide receiver had a pretty good game, I thought, Ryan. Yeah, he did, but the fumbles are, are sort of a concern. Sean mentioned the one last month that got you in trouble. Of course, if you tweet less, you wouldn't get yelled at, but I think you enjoy it. And then it happened again on, on uh, Monday night. And Sean mentioned that, you know, the Seahawks gave up 30 points, but the defense is playing better. One of those touchdowns came on the pick six that, that Breach just mentioned. Another one came as a result of that DK Metcalf fumble, and they marched down the field and Kirk Cousins threw. I think that was a one-handed catch by um, Kyle Rudolph in the back of the end zone. So that's 14 points right there uh, on a team that um, scored 30 total. So, yeah, I think the Seahawks are rounding into form. But I said this before we started the podcast. Even though they're now the number one seed in the NFC, they're, are they number two? Number two, sorry. Yeah, and the um, 49ers dropped. They're not winning the Super Bowl because of this play call we've been talking about. You can't punt it. on. They punted on fourth and one twice and fourth and three another time, I believe. And you can't run the ball 60 freaking times a game and expect to win unless you're playing Kirk Cousins on Monday night. And one other thing I would add that I'm concerned long-term about the Seahawks is that we mentioned Tyler Lockett from a fantasy perspective. It's only been two games since the injury, but he has not looked anything close to the same since he came back from that injury that he suffered against the 49ers four weeks ago. Um, obviously no catches tonight and against Philadelphia last week only got two targets, one catch for 38 yards. Metcalf has played well and he's kind of stepped up in that absence, but when you go from Lockett as your number one with Metcalf as your number two to Metcalf as your one and David Moore as your number two. David Moore did end up catching a touchdown, but he also dropped what should have been a touchdown on a pretty great Russell Wilson play outside the pocket. Um, I think that's concerning. They need to get Tyler Lockett healthy. I Obviously, we have no idea what this, what he's dealing with right now, um, but you look at it on those three targets that they did not connect on. He's just not getting that downfield separation that we're so used to seeing him do. Yeah, that's right. The thing about Lockett with Russ, too, is that their whole – issue is they didn't need to have 
a hundred targets, you know, like he got 76 targets last year or whatever. I mean, like he was so hyper efficient with the way that he used his targets and how he played with those. And now all of a sudden, you know, you have three targets and zero catches. And what, if that efficiency disappears with a wide receiver, with pretty low volume, it's going to be hard for him to put up those numbers. But I mean, I, I think, I think I'm a little surprised they haven't sat him down longer to be perfectly honest. Like I, I, you would think that the last two weeks they were said, Hey Tyler, sit down. We're going to play with DK. We got, you know, David Moore's in there. He played all right. Um, Hollister, the tight end, Josh Gordon, he had one, one, one target, one catch or 10 yards. You would think they would say, we'll just roll without you. Don't worry about it for this week. Get healthy. But that hadn't been the case, obviously. Yeah. And they didn't really even need him. So you look at what DK Metcalf did despite his fumble. And by the way, the man plays football in Seattle. If his agent doesn't call Starbucks tomorrow and get a decaf Metcalf, uh, endorsement going, Metcalf, DK. <laughs> That, 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 yeah, his agent needs to be on the phone with Starbucks in the morning. Uh, and I'm only calling him decaf Metcalf from now on. But the Seahawks did have, it seems like Russell Wilson, he will just pull people from the stands to throw the ball to. I mean, we saw David Moore with a 60 yard touchdown in this game. Oh, you know what? Tyler can't get any separation. He can't get open to him downfield. I'm going to throw it to David Carson because Xavier Rhodes has no idea what he's doing on defense, busted coverage on that play. And I will say real quick, Russell Wilson now has 63 touchdown passes in his career that have traveled at least 20 yards in the air. That's the most of any quarterback in the NFL since 2012, his rookie year. Drew Brees is second with 57. So Russ loves to throw the ball downfield. We know that, but that number just kind of shows how good he is at doing that. Um, but I think I agree with you guys that sit down, Tyler Lockett, or, or once you get maybe – once you clinch a playoff berth, whether it's a wild card – Sit him down so that he's healthy for the postseason because your best chance of winning is having your best receiver healthy so you don't have to run the ball every time, even though we know they will run the ball every time because that's what they do in the postseason. The Seahawks are now, I believe, 9-1 <laughs> one in one-score games on the season. In no way could that possibly regress or come back to haunt them, right, Sean? The reverse chargers. The only thing I will say is that because they have Russ, it makes me like a whole lot less like likely to think that this year is going to come back to bite them. But yes, this team is ten and two. But if you look at their entire roster from top to bottom, this is not a ten and two team. Uh, they are propped up by their quarterback, I think, above all else. Yeah, a lot of those games have been luck. When you're ten and two, and all those games are within a touchdown, you could just as easily lose two or three or four of them and, and be in a much worse situation. You could be, let's be honest, Jason Garrett. Okay. Um, let's have a, let's look at the playoff <laughs> picture here. The, uh, the Seahawks now, by the way, the nine and one and one score games. Those Seahawks are in first place in the NFC West. Suck it, 49ers fans. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Don't mean that. We don't. We mean just that. want them back. I know. I'm joking. The 49ers are great. They had an awesome game against the Ravens. It's a joke. But the Seahawks are in first place, which means the Seahawks, because they have the tiebreaker over the 49ers right now by virtue of their head-to-head matchup, Seahawks are the number two seed in the NFC, which is wild to think about. The Saints are number one. Um, they have the, uh, the, the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Seahawks, obviously, because they beat them with Teddy Bridgewater in Seattle, the first game Teddy Bridgewater started for that. And the, the 49ers fall to the number five seed. Breach, do you think that this will hold to form, or do we have more shakeups coming? And clearly – the 49ers and the, the Saints play this weekend. 
I feel like it is going to hold to form. Uh, as crazy as that sounds, you look at what the Flyers have left. They have the Saints, the Falcons, the Rams, the Seahawks. Besides the Falcons, they could lose the other three games. I, I don't think they'll lose all three. I think they'll probably go three and one, two and two at worst, but I do not think they're going to go four and oh in that stretch. And then you look at the Seahawks. They have the Rams, the Panthers, the Cardinals, the 49ers. I mean, the Panthers have looked horrible the last few weeks. The Cardinals haven't looked great. And I feel like the Seahawks will probably go three and one at worst. So you're looking at potentially a 12 and four or 13 and three 49ers team playing like on the road against an eight and eight Cowboys team. Can you imagine a 13 and three team having to play on the road against an eight and eight team to start the postseason? Uh, so yeah, Brinson, answer your question. I do think the Seahawks are going to win this division and, and this is going to hold. Mm. What's interesting is, correct me if I'm wrong, shouldn't the Seahawks be actually rooting for the 49ers this weekend? Because even though they're in the tight divisional race, the Seahawks still get to play the 49ers one more time. And if they beat them one more time, they can tie with them because they would have the head-to-head tiebreaker. And the Seahawks can't win the head-to-head tiebreaker against the Saints. So the Seahawks' best chance to get the top seed and home field advantage throughout the postseason is for the 49ers to beat the Saints. Breach no, shaking his head. I disagree. Because if you if you have well, it's, but what I said was right though, right? Like Yeah, yeah, what you yeah. said was right. Your, your logic was correct, you but okay. yeah, I, I don't agree with it just in the sense because if the 49ers are tied with you that last game, I would rather have if I'm the Seahawks, I'd rather go into it knowing I have a first round bye locked up, whether that's the second seed or the first seed, but they would be in the second seed. But if the 49ers keep winning, you might lose that in that final game. All of a sudden, you're the wild card team. So I'd rather have no shot at being the wild card than having a shot at being the one seed. So I'd rather be locked into the two seed and instead of getting the one or the five, if that makes sense. I understand what Breach is saying. I, I would rather have my method, but I totally get that line of reasoning. Well, no, you, I think you want to be the, yeah, you want to be the two and guarantee you're going to get the two rather than have to worry about Falling back to the five, although the good news for the five seed, you know what the good news for the five seed is? Yeah, you play Jason Garrett. That's right. <laughs> you get to play the four seed. Um, so the Seahawks are fine traveling. Didn't Jason Garrett just, uh, out Jason Garrett, or didn't Pete Carroll out Jason Garrett in the playoffs last year? He did out Jason Garrett to Jason Garrett in the, in the wild card round. He absolutely did. Yes. Uh, in fact, he, refused to pass the ball at all with Russell Wilson except in two drives and the Cowboys beat the Seahawks much to my chagrin. Um what about uh for the Vikings? They're now the sixth seed. They're only one game up on the Rams, Ryan. Any concern there? Zero. The Rams suck. And I think <laughs> they they won on Sunday and yes Jared Goff had a fantastic day and Sean McVay returned to 2018. We were all excited. But the reality is that team is terrible. And we just talked about how well the Vikings offense played. The defense was sort of up and down, obviously. But I, I have no concerns about them. They played Detroit. If they lose to Detroit, then yes, they deserve to automatically be disqualified from the playoffs. At the Chargers, Tyrod Taylor will probably be starting that game. Phillip Rivers might be playing tight end at that point. Then the Packers and the Bears. If they go 3-1, and one, I mean, that gets them to 11-5. and five. You think that the Rams are winning out? I do not. And, uh, three of those games for the Vikings are at home, which is a big bonus. They are five and oh right now at home on the year, including that crazy comeback against the, um, against the Denver Broncos. I'm trying to see what the line is for, uh, why, 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 why you do that? I just think it's pretty rude that you don't consider the six and six bears a threat to catch the Vikings. That was going to be my next point. 
But the Rams schedule, by the way, Seattle at Dallas at San Francisco, Arizona. Are they winning two of those games? That'd be a big ask. Yeah. So I think I think the Vikings are fine. Now the Bears, Sean, you can you can tell that story. <laughs> no, the Bears aren't making the playoffs. <laughs> okay. They but, would have to. But, they would have to win that. out. No, they because they would have to win out, and they're not beating the Cowboys, Packers, Chiefs, and Vikings. There's not. By the way, the team behind the Bears, the Buccaneers, they're going to win out, make the playoffs, and Jameis Winston will be the Bears quarterback next year. You already hear first. No, because if that happens, the Bucks are giving Jameis $30 million a year. We talked about this 24 hours ago. Ryan Pace, 35. We talked about that, too. <laughs> it, that's that's not how that works. You can't be like, I'll give it <laughs> uh, I wish that's how it worked. They could offer Mahomes $500 million. All right. Any uh, any other? You know what? The, the Vikings really miss Adam Thielen. I think that is very clear on their offense. Like he and I. I would like to point out that Kevin Stefanski that fourth he had a called a great game overall. That fourth down call, yikes! Throw. Yeah, it was a you're gonna make a little quick out of a blanketed Irv Smith. That's the only throw you got. Everybody else is running downfield routes. Come on. I mean, yeah, it wasn't a great throw. You you trying to pin this on Cousins or no? No, just a bad throw in, in the moment. I mean, you go for it there, it didn't happen, and you, you move on. Yeah, I don't want to nitpick the play call. Okay. You think it's a, you think the throw is a bigger problem or the play call? Both. It, neither of them worked. Yeah, but like, work. I, but like, if if Ersmith gets more separation and he completes it, no one's complaining about the play call. Like, it just it was it wasn't like he tried to run some crazy reverse to Laquan Treadwell or whatever. <laughs> like they call the normal football play. See, the Seattle defended it well. Mike Zimmer. Yeah, God forbid, if they run up the middle, you'd be whinging about that. I actually would have liked a quarterback draw there. <laughs> Shut up. A quarterback draw? Yeah, spread him out and then let Cousins run up the middle. He's good at that. Have you seen Kirk Cousins run? You could beat him in a 40. Uh, that's not true. Um, what about Mike Zimmer's clock management at the end of the first half and at the end of the game? He didn't call timeout with uh, – not that it mattered because they fumbled the ball in the return after the field goal, but he didn't call timeout with – uh with like two or five left on the clock, he let it go to the two minute warning, which is dumb. It cost you 10 seconds plus. Uh, and then it felt like he was just poorly mismanaging his, his clock management at the end of the first half. Did you notice that at all breach? Uh, I did. I kind of did the math on a piece of paper for his end of game, not calling the timeout and he should have caught it because so the Seahawks, they had the ball and it went down to, I think two thirteen is when Chris Carson was tackled. So it's 2.13 left in the fourth quarter. The Vikings had one timeout. They did not use it. They let those 13 seconds run down to the two-minute warning. So then they run their next play, uh, and then obviously use your timeout there at 1.55, and then the 40-second play clock starts at 1.55. So they probably lost about five seconds. I don't think it ended up being a huge deal. Um, and then they got bailed out at the end of the half because they did get the field goal. So it didn't really hurt. I, I mean, both of these, this is something that might come bite you later on, but since both of them kind of worked out, I guess, it, it's not, like, I don't think it costs the Vikings the game in any whatso shape or form. Um, but yeah, so this is definitely one of those that if it had gone differently or down the road, or if this was Jason Garrett, we would spend an entire podcast on it. But it kind of worked out for the Vikings because they did get points at the end of the first half. 13 points for the Vikings, 13 points for the Seahawks, excuse me, came on, uh, short, very short fields. Minnesota's 26, Minnesota's 25, Minnesota's 42, one on an interception, one on a, uh, fumble and one on the turnover on down. So the Seahawks were greatly aided by that. That sort of helped spark 
their uh, their three score three touchdown or three score third quarter. They scored seventeen points in the blink of an eye. And really took took the game over. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I credit the Vikings for getting back in it. Um, but yeah, it, it is what it is. Lose a lose a tough road game. Kirk Cousins zero eight Monday Night Football. Russell Wilson undefeated. Incredibly mic'd up. I mean, God, what a job that was micing him up. Stop it already. Like, don't Why? Hey, who is this? You're doing great. It is go time. I'm going to give you the ball. Please try to score. That's Russell Wilson, everybody. Hey, 3-2. Love what you're doing out there. And, like, you the worst part is his teammates don't say a word to him. Exactly. So all I watch when I watch him mic'd up is not Russell Wilson saying robotic things. It's um, the person he's talking to to see their response. And it's like when you're approached by someone on the street that you don't know and, and they're asking for money or, you know, they're passing out leaflets or something. You're like, all right, you take a step back because you're trying to reassess what's going on. And then you try to figure out how to get out of there. That's every person that talks to Russell Wilson on the sidelines. Well, the, the, the one touchdown, uh, I think the one to, uh, let's see. When they did the celebration. Yeah, Russell comes running up and he's like, doesn't know what to do around him. He's like hanging out and being awkward. It's like the guy who walks in the party's like, hello, or it's, uh, you know what it's like? It's like, uh, have you seen the movie Game Night? Yes. With, uh, Jesse Plemons. I was just talking about this somewhat. Good movie. Yeah, but Jesse Plemons steals that movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he's great, but he comes over and he's like, hello. Or they invite him over and he's like stroking his cat. He's like, hello. (laughs) The dog. That's a dog, yeah. How could that be profitable for Frito Lay? Yeah, that's Russell Wilson. He's like, he comes up and he's like, hey, what are we doing, guys? Are we having fun in the touchdown celebration? And they're like, what the hell's Russ doing here again? Did you, what he actually said, by the way, on that touchdown celebration, because I actually wrote it down because it was so bad. He's standing there as they're celebrating. He goes, yeah, boys, I see what you did. That's actually <laughs> verbatim what he said. And the yeah, response, boys, I see what you did. They all no made response. It to the and they run to the sidelines. And he's like, all right, it's time to go back to the sidelines. <laughs> no, then they're running away and he goes over to the other one. He's like, yeah, like, great job. And then they're like, what are you? Look, they're winning football games. He's in the MVP race, but he just seems like a, like, like a weirdo. I mean, he maybe he's perfectly fine and all that, but he, he does, he says a lot of sort of things that make you go, huh, that's he's a weirdo. He's a hundred percent a weirdo. It is so not surprising that Russell Wilson gets along with Pete Carroll and not Richard Sherman. <laughs> you know? By the way, you mentioned the, or we mentioned the touchdown celebration. My all-time favorite celebration now, based on mostly 2019, I don't think it came out in 2018, is the defensive turnover. Everyone runs to the end zone. I love that. I think that's awesome. And they do the the picture, the yearbook yeah. picture. Oh gosh, Wilson, you're a you're easy to please, man. Yeah, it's <laughs> not like you would like. That's, that's worn out. <laughs> the, look, I was talking to Russell Wilson about this celebration. He loves it. <laughs> look, the defensive rules have been changed in such a way that they have absolutely no chance. So when they get even a turnover, I'm like, go down there, celebrate. You see the fat guy running down the field? It, he gets there 15 seconds later, and he gets to lay down in front and take his picture. It, it's a, I like it. It is It is insane that, like – Okay, boomer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Russell, you know what is wonderful? The defensive picture celebration. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah the, this is a high five. <laughs> it is insane that like a year and a half ago or two years ago, you couldn't do chore- like you would get flagged for a choreographed celebration, and now it's like I don't even notice what those guys are doing in the end zone anymore. It's just pure insanity every time something happens. But I love it. Like it should be there should be banana celebrations and, and weird yeah. stuff going on. Definitely, well, I think it's prompt to sing bananas. 
beat. Oh, I forgot my cue. Yeah. Even the touchdown celebration was well orchestrated, like a throwback to the 60s, like Temptations. That was that was well done. But I like the spontaneous defense celebrating fumbles and, and interceptions. It's so spontaneous, the way they sprint to the end zone unplanned. I love it. <laughs> High fives. Um, by the way, so we somebody said they were – this is felt like a humble brag, whoever is talking about it, but they were like, I knew I dropped my weights at the gym this morning when I heard banana Ryan do bananas. <laughs> yeah, and then Debo had the uh, had the um, uh, faith. What, what's the name of the band? The gift from the what's her face? Who's on the the? She's dating that country music singer now. What's her name? We need more hints. <laughs> we have no idea what you're Gwen talking Stefani? about. Yeah, Gwen Stefani. Thank you. No doubt. Yeah. Oh, the Go Banana song singer. That's all you yeah. had to say. Yeah. Um, all right, let's uh, take. We a just break. learned here that Brenton can't spell bananas. <laughs> he he tried. <laughs> They're not going to sing it. You sing. You sing it again. Let's hear it again. At least he knows who Gwen Stefani is. Yeah, I love Gwen Stefani. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, Boomer. All right, let's go to uh, let's go to break. When we come back, we will uh, do some news, talk some coaches, do some five star reviews. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right. Gardner Minshew starting for the Jaguars. Again, they say it's for the full season breach. Good move, bad move. Great move, Brinson. I am going to use the word that you didn't even give as an option. I think this is a no-brainer. You looked what Gardner Minshew would take this team like five steps forward. They put Nick Foles in. He would fall down, roll backwards, and then fall off a building. Like that is how ugly this has been. Uh, the last three games they lost by 20. They lost by 22. They lost by 17. And most of that was Nick Foles. He's a turnover machine. This isn't Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles that led the Eagles to a Lombardi trophy. I think people got kind of caught up in that and hey look this guy came in when Carson Wentz got injured and there's no way Philadelphia would on Super Bowl without him which is absolutely true 
But playing behind this Jacksonville offensive line, you're kind of running for your life. Nick Foles does not have the speed to be running for his life. So this makes sense from the perspective that Minshew works better in that offense with what he has. I mean, I might put a Jags guy on my fantasy roster this week because they're going to put up numbers with Minshew in there. And then also, you got to know what you have for the future. It's over with Foles. I know it's been less than a season. I know you still owe him $700 million, but this is done. It's over. Put him on the bench. Let Gardner Minshew play until you realize he's not your future, and then go mess up another quarterback selection in a future draft. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I'm with you. It would be insane to keep rolling with Foles. Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) they do have to pay him for another year. So they got that going for him. Uh, Kai Forbath already out in uh, in New England. Shocked, Ryan? No, I mean you can't miss a kick and, and expect to have a job. Uh, poor Nick Folk um, had an appendectomy. Do they cut him? Or are they just sideline him for a little bit? I think he got cut too, right? He got cut. So they're just going with no kicker. Like who, who's the next man up? They'll resign Nick Folk probably oh. by the time people listen to this Monday or Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. I would think they'll resign Nick Folk then. Can he catch passes? <laughs> I got a question, by the way. Why do they why do they get rid of Josh Gordon? You know, Bill Belichick tried to explain that once, and I'm glad you brought that up because I have a fun Josh Gordon fact. He is the only player in the NFL that's played in more than ten games this season who is undefeated. Oh. Man is that oh, is eleven and zero. Wow, that's the most fun season. fact we've had in a long time. It is. It's, that's, uh, that's Why a, did they cut Josh Gordon, though? He had that whole he went on IR, injured reserve thing, and they cut him off injured reserve. Remember, he said, hey, I can play. Why am I an injured reserve? And it feels like the page, Belichick thought they need the roster spot for another position at that point, and then they're just like, we don't have room for you. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Patriots could use Josh Gordon right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would also agree with that. Um, <laughs> I like this quote from Austin Eckler, just throwing it out there. It seems like we're literally trying to figure out every way you can possibly lose a game, he says, <laughs> via the Los Angeles Times. It's just frustrating, for sure. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins said, this feels like maybe six of the other losses we've had. This is another one we should have won. Um, I don't know, it's just funny. Chargers, clowns. I have a fun fact about that. The Chargers have played, obviously, 12 games this season. In 10 of their games, they've had an attempted game-winning drive or fourth-quarter comeback. 10 out of their 12 games, they've had that situation with Rivers having the ball in the fourth quarter. Yes, exactly. I stared to the sky in case you wanted Brenton was doing his Rivers face. It is funny that you now are getting to enjoy this after years of rooting for Jay Cutler. I actually – and I like Phillip Rivers. I mean, because of this, he's just pure – I don't root for him. I don't root against him. He's just pure entertainment, and I want as much of him as possible. Maybe not in Chicago. Now I'm coming around, and maybe not him in Chicago. But You know, you know what um, I heard uh, – it was Eric Williams said on the uh, Amina Kimes uh, Daily Podcast thing that uh, Rivers actually – the ESPN Daily uh, – River they were talking about Rivers and stuff. What? That Rivers actually, like, hams it up. For like, for the cameras, like he kind of like, I'd never, I never considered like he, he actually like sort of like, yes, like cranks it up because he knows that the cameras are watching him. Like he sort of embraced the idea that he's become this memeable guy on the internet, even though he doesn't really follow the internet. He's the heel, like the wrestling heel. Yeah. It sounds like when he retires, he should get his own reality show, like Jay Cutler. I'm good. Um, well, it would have, it would have to be like. Oh, sorry, Ryan. I was going to say the reality show would have to be like 
John and Kate plus eight. Since he has like fifteen kids. Yeah, I would watch the heck out of Philip Rivers trying to just be a dad to like twenty kids and like running errands all the time. Yeah. What if it's Philip Rivers and Jay Cutler raising their families together like a blended family and some sort of my two dads type thing? That's a lot of interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> Brenton and I would a hundred percent start a podcast recapping that show though. One hundred percent. All right. Um so we're gonna do top five coaches. We're going to get away from talking about people who are going to get fired. we got a lot of that coming up. Looks like we're probably going to get five, six to eight is my guess. Somebody asked me an estimate. I think six to eight is probably fair for number of coaches fired. Uh, but let's look at some of the good ones. We're going to uh, come up with our list of top five NFL coaches. Um, Ryan, why don't you start us off with number five? This is going to be controversial only because he's been so good for so long, but I, I want to give him credit for winning with Teddy Bridgewater in the middle of the season. Um, so Sean Payton is my number five. Why is that controversial? It's controversial it be, to me that it's so low. He should be higher, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I thought you were That's saying controversial. Yeah, not that he shouldn't be on the list, but, I mean, he's okay. been so good for so long that you can sort of overlook him, and he deserves probably to be higher, but I have a couple other names on this list that, you know, I wanted to be something. I didn't want to do the, the par for the course thing. So I like Sean, but nice. uh, he's number five. Uh, Breach, who do you have at number five? I have a tie for fifth. Oh boy. He tried to do this on his damn MVP ballot, too. He Zach Taylor and who else? I didn't try to do it. I did it, Sean, and you published it. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am not going to favor. In my head, it is 50-50, and they coach in the same division, so I'm giving them the exact same credit. And my coach is tied for fifth. Ravens coach, John Harbaugh. What? A proud alumni of Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. Ugh, I'm moving him down my list now. And tied for number five, Mike Tomlin, a proud alumni of William & Mary, Brian Wilson's alma mater. Go Tribe. So I'm just hitting the t- double alma mater, but also they're really good coaches. Oh, and John, Tomlin, they're, not the tri- they're not the Tribe anymore. They call, I think they're called the Eagles now. They had to change that, but yes, appreciate it. Oh, it's funny because Miami used to be called the Redskins. Now they're called the Red Hawks. So both go. our schools changed names. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I think there had been a lot of question. I think, the last two years about whether or not Tomlin – should be in even the top 10, but I think this is the year that proved he's been around since 2007. I think he's, has he even had a losing season ever, Ryan? I don't think he's had one. He's never finished below under 500. He's down to his third string quarterback. He's got the Steelers ready for the playoffs, uh, or in the playoff hunt. So I, I like Tomlin and Johnny Harbaugh in the five spot. Sean. Uh, it kind of pains me to name him on my list because I complain about him every week, but it's Pete Carroll at number five. Uh, there's certain aspects of him that bug me a lot, but when you start to go through the list of coaches, I just could not come up with one that I would rather have, say, if the Bears were hiring a coach. Because uh, Really? If they could have anyone outside being of Bill Belichick? Con- being conservative or not. All Pete Carroll has done the last decade is win games. If you go just go down his uh, pro football reference, how many games they win. With Russell much, Wilson. He didn't win any games with Tavares Jackson. He beat New Orleans in the playoffs without Russell I, Wilson. I, I'm guessing Breach is going to have him way up seven there. seven nine that year. Oh, God, and I just gave it away. And then the Bears beat them. Anyways, uh, so Pete Carroll. Uh, also won, like, national titles at USC. Like, he's he's very clearly a good football coach. Right, he, and he has his flaws, um, but he – he always wins games, and his worst season since 2012 is a 9-7 season. Like, I don't know. you got to give him his due, even if it's he's not modernizing with the rest of the league right, at the same nice. pace you'd want. He's and he won a, box, won a playoff game with the Patriots. 
Yeah, that yeah, team so, was actually worse though after Bill Parcells left. I'm I'm really struggling with the the five spot here because I think there's I think to me there's four clear guys and I can't believe you have Sean Payton at, at five. That's criminal, <laughs> Ryan. You should go to hell for that, um, or at least jail. Uh, I think oh. I think so. Here's where I sort of felt like I want to reward longevity. And I think the, 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 if, if the Bears were hiring, like who, you know, you want to hoard, you want to reward success over a long period of time. And like, I think Sean's criteria is important too. Like you want to be able to say, all right, the Bears are hiring, you know, Bill Belichick's your number, like you can draft any coach. Belichick's obviously your number one pick, but then where would you go after that? And I think, you know, you would, every, like if Mike Tomlin became a coaching free agent, he would be snapped up in five seconds. You know, uh, same, yeah. same thing with Pete Carroll. Um, so I'm gonna give I got two honorable mention guys that I think deserve to be they're not on my top five, but I'm I didn't know we got a list honorable mentions. Let's start with thirty two. Okay, for thirty two, Freddie Kitchens. Well let me just say that this is Brenton, so I knew we were allowed to announce extra coaches, which is why I had a tie for five. Sean McDermott and Kyle Shanahan deserve consideration for the list. I don't have them on the list, but they're having a great season. So you see what I'm saying? Like like you're not gonna Who's your fifth who's your fifth coach? So it came down to Pete Carroll versus Mike Tomlin. And? And I'm going to go with Mike Tomlin. As good as Pete Carroll's been, here's the difference. Mike Tomlin doesn't have the quarterback. He lost the quarterback. Pete Carroll is being saved by the quarterback. This team sucks without Russell Wilson, and Mike Tomlin's got his team in the playoff hunt without Ben Roethlisberger. So I got Mike Tomlin narrowly edging out Pete Carroll for five. I, I do want to say really quickly, Mike Tomlin was the guy I had left off the list who I wanted to put on, um, but I just couldn't. You so he's, he's, my, he's my honorable mention is Mike Tomlin. Okay, uh, number four, Ryan. What does Mike Tomlin have to do to be on this list? He's on do my you, list. Do, you no, something different against, do something against the Patriots in the playoffs every single year. He's playing with the practice squad of, team. Well, if that's the criteria, no one will be on the list, Sean. Boom, dunked on. Take uh, that. My number two coach would certainly be on the list. Let's yeah, well, your number two coach is a cartoon character, so shut it. <laughs> I, I think he means his number two coach is John Harbaugh, not Andy Reid, right? Andy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Kool-Aid. Uh, my number four is Mike Tomlin for all the reasons we've talked about. Oh, and by the way, yeah. if we're doing honorable mentions and all this other stuff, Bill Belichick is my honorable mention because I'm not making him number one because he's easily the number one for everyone else. So I'm putting him on the back end and just tipping my hat to him for being awesome, but I'm not getting him the number one overall because he just lost to the Texans if you're looking for some random excuse. Wait, wait. You just said wow. Bill Belichick number one on your list of the five best coaches in the NFL. I hope someone stutter? tomorrow edits, aggravates this podcast Wait. and says CBS Sports Writer does not rank Bill Belichick as top five writer. And then, Wilson, your tweets are going to be all mean and <laughs> never ending for the next 10 years, even though. You will not enjoy that. Sorry. Wait a minute. Debo, can you make sure the CBS Instagram actually tweets out all of our top fives? <laughs> like, this seems like great content. You do not have Bill Belichick at number one. <laughs> you don't want that. Wilson's Instagram will blow up. His phone will run Wilson's out of batteries. Trying to I mean, let's keep going. This is, this is great. I'm enjoying this now. For Mike Tomlin, do you want to add anything else to Mike Tomlin's job? Do you feel like you've given him enough love? Uh, no, we talked about Mike Tomlin. Fun fact, Sean. Mike Tomlin went to William and Mary with this guy. Uh, what? We should just say that, but that's that was I course. already mentioned it, Brinson. It's the joke is you just keep mentioning it over and over again. That's the joke. I've mentioned it in a while. Rich, who's your uh, number four? Uh, my number four is Pete Carroll for all the reasons that we've all mentioned. 
I'm not really going to add anything to that except that he would be number two if he had given the ball to Marshawn Lynch. I have Andy Reid at number four. It kind of pains me to have him that low on the list, but unfortunately for as good of an offensive innovator that he is, and we should recognize just how good he is when you look at guys like Sean McVay, for example, who have already faded after two years of doing it at a really high level. He's been doing it at a high level um, for like, what, 20 years now, like 15 years now. Um, But it's his game management, clock management, lack of a Super Bowl, unfortunately, that has to put me behind the other three coaches. Love them, though. Uh, I'm with you. I have Andy Reid there as well. It, it's, it's very tight in this spot, with the exception of from one to two, unless you're Ryan with this stupid list. Um, <laughs> but I think that, uh, like, it is fascinating when you look at the juxtaposition of a former Andy Reid coach, John Harbaugh, who has now changed the way the Ravens go about on offense, and he's gotten turbo aggressive in his game coaching style on fourth down, and it's allowed the Ravens to be more successful uh, versus Andy Reid, who still wants to be very – he's still very old school in that sense. Now, look, Andy Reid, Hall of Fame coach, definitely needs to give a Super Bowl, but I, I have him at four as well. Uh, who do you have at three, Ryan? Andy Reid's not on my list either, just so you guys know. What? Here's the thing. I, I was trying to figure out why. Um, when when Debo sent us the, um, the message in Slack a couple hours ago – I'm doing coach of the year candidates. So that's why Bill Belichick's not on there. And, um, Andy Reid is like sort of, that's why Sean Payton's lower and Andy Reid's not on there just because he's, he's sort of an obvious choice. So I was just trying to make it, um, up and comers guys who've had, had a really good season. So that's, I was trying to figure out the explanation for not having Andy Reid on there. I knew I didn't have Bill Belichick on there. So, so anyway. So wait, hold on. So just to be clear, you forgot why you ranked him a certain way and then brought it in as a hot take and now you're like trying to you realize that your Instagrams are about to get lit on fire so you're trying to justify it. I check Instagram once a month. So if Instagram wants to get lit up with pictures of my kids, like they can people can go crazy. <laughs> I like, like I, I promise you. I check Instagram less than Sean shaves. Uh, well, it's funny because all those pictures of your kids, those people show up and they drop comments that say FOH clown. That's it. It fill, it literally fills up your Instagram. That's what all the trolls do when I, you, you make a list they don't like. I 100% it really is. Like, I have like pictures of like me and like, like hanging out and it's like somebody right there be like, F the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a picture from like three years ago. Like they literally scrolled all the way down to comment on a picture of you hanging out with your kid who was probably three months old at the time. Yeah. So I'm okay with that if people want to do that. Um, so yeah, this is my coach of your candidate. So no Andy Reid, no Bill Belichick. Number three, the man who deserves to be on this list, probably higher. Sean's favorite coach, Sean McDermott. Love coach, love best coaches list that have Sean McDermott, not Bill Belichick. Coach of the year candidate, Sean. That's what I'm going with. You tell me Bill Belichick would rank higher in your coach of your coach of the year list than Sean McDermott? Yes. No. Stop it. Uh, he might be in the middle of his best defensive coaching job. Shut They've up. lost their defensive coordinator. I mean, we don't have to argue about this. We're he arguing about Lauren, it. He had great. I'm right. You're wrong. Oh, this is Go ahead, John. Asinine. This is an asinine take where you suggest that Bill Belichick would be a better coach of the year candidate than Sean McDermott. Okay. By the by, the criteria that the award is given out, yeah, Bill Belichick never has a chance to win the award. But if we're going who has been the best coach this year, I would give it to Bill Belichick. Or, sorry, I would not give it to Bill Belichick. I'd give it to my number two coach. But I would rank Bill Belichick above Sean McDermott. Trump Whoa! Nine and three. And the Bill? Patriots are ten and two. He hates Sean McDermott and Josh Allen so much he can't get past that. Uh, what I've repeatedly on this podcast the last couple of weeks called Josh Allen a top fifteen quarterback right now. Say it again. Sweet. 
I call, I called Josh Allen repeatedly an NFL quarterback the last two weeks. Kansas is a top 50 state, damn it. <laughs> I'm sorry that, I'm sorry that when Sean McDermott inexplicably made a terrible quarterback decision, I criticized him for it. And I'm last sorry season. that when, and I'm sorry that when Josh Allen was playing terrible, I criticized him for him. And now that Josh Allen's not playing terrible, I'm giving him credit. I don't know what else you want from me. I don't want I want you to use proper English as terribly in that sense. John, go ahead. Nice. Uh, you got me there, Ryan. My nice. number three, because uh, obviously Ryan does not want Sean to talk anymore due to his improper use of English language. My number three is Chiefs coach Andy Reid. I don't know if you guys have seen what this man has done this year, but he had he pulled a guy off a high school coaching staff, <laughs> put him on his roster, and beat the same Vikings we've been talking about this entire half of this podcast. So I don't know how Ryan doesn't have Andy Reid at least in the conversation. The Chiefs are 8-4. and four. They're going to walk away with AFC West. This is probably the best the playoffs have ever set up for Andy Reid because your options are this Patriots team that is also coached by someone who's not on Ryan's list, plus a Ravens team they've beaten twice in the past 12 months. So uh, I like Andy Reid, and this might be his best chance to win a Super Bowl in a while. I have Sean Payton. Um, it's, it's, I think it's a good mix of he's done it for a long time and obviously has a Super Bowl ring. Um, but if, then if you want to apply it to the, uh, Ryan Wilson criteria, uh, what he did this year was win a lot of games with his backup quarterback. So I think he checks both those boxes. Now I'm giggling at this end zone shot of the of Russell Wilson running up to the wide receivers. <laughs> they, they're like, they're like dancing, like all sick. He's like, Hey, 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 Hey guys, I'm a robot. Um, I have, uh, John Harbaugh, number three. He's awesome. Done an incredible job coaching. It is, inc- it's crazy. Bananas even, Ryan. B-A-N-A-N-A-S, bananas. Thank you. That, uh, he, he was all about to get fired last year. They were like heading towards a mutual parting of the ways. And then he, you know, puts Lamar Jackson in and make a playoff run. They reinvent the offense. I think, um, I would be perfectly fine with John Harbaugh getting coach of the year because of what he's done in terms of how they've changed and how he's changed his approach and how he's sort of modernizing this aggressive analytics uh, dive in. Hired uh, with the Daniel uh, Daniel Stern. Stern. Yeah. Hired Not a, the actor from Home Alone. That's right. As uh, Peter Schrager pointed out, a good morning football. So that's my number three coach. Who you got number two, Ryan? Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan, comma, Kyle. Awesome. He's done a fantastic job. <laughs> I don't think he was going to get fired last year, but they had a tough run his, his first two years there. They just didn't have the players. Jimmy G got hurt last year early with the ACL injury. He's back. They have players around him. Their defense is balling out. Um, they're somehow number five seed now, the NFC, but they've been at the top of the NFC for the first 12 weeks. So, yeah, fantastic job. Now he has to finish strong. But um, I think in terms of my coach of the year candidate, since I'm doing this differently, he is number two. Okay. So – my understanding here is that Ryan invented his own criteria while the other three of us understood this to be the right. same thing, right? Yes. You got it 100%. Yes. Because Kyle Shanahan is not on my list. Uh, my number two is Sean Payton, who went to? The same school as Tony Romo. Eastern Illinois, but also was an offensive coordinator at Miami of Ohio. But were we I supposed just, to know that? Because you pointed well, at all of us. <laughs> I'm just loading up my coaching list with all uh, former cradle of coaches, although I did not put Sean McVay on here. Sorry, Sean McVay. But I do have Sean Payton, 
we we already talked about Sean Payton, so I won't say anything else except that he won a bunch of games with Teddy Bridgewater, and uh, they look like a Super Bowl contender right now. Uh, my number two is John Harbaugh, and um, everything Brinson said, I completely agree with, and he would be my coach of the year pick. Um, in addition to being number two on my list, and uh, it's not, it's it's obviously reinventing the offense. It's his embracing. Um, I don't even want to use analytics, but just embracing the era of information and using information to make the best possible decisions, which sounds uh, really obvious, but we just saw Pete Carroll punt on fourth and one. Um, so we know it's not that obvious. Um, he gets the most out of his, uh, out of his talent. Um, and I really think his background as a special teams coordinator always makes me wonder why other premier special teams coordinators don't get as much head coach consideration um, because and I and I get why not and I get everyone wants the sexy offensive coordinator um, but if John Harbaugh can do it I would start taking a look at those kinds of coaches as well. Okay, uh, I have Sean Payton at number two. Did it with Ted, Drew Brees? Did it with Teddy Bridgewater? They've done a great job reinventing that defense as well. I think the Saints are sort. Of, I think we're sort of sleeping on the Saints. Is that, I mean not sleeping on them, but like the Forty ers have been so good. I, I we talk about like best possible Super Bowls. Saints Chiefs would be awesome. We talked about it last night. The Saints offense has been sort of yeah, meh since, since Drew Brees came back from the thumb injury. Uh, Saints Chiefs would be fun as hell. I heard you the first time. I'm just telling you why I have reservations. If I heard the, hell's not fun. If the Saints end up getting home field advantage, I think they're the easy like you would if you had to put money on one team, you'd pick the Saints. So like, and that's unless they're playing the Rams. Yeah, they had home field advantage last year, Sean. Breach was there. No tie. Um, I so, saw the loss in person. Does it, you guys realize that just because something happened last year, different results happened in a different year, right? Like, I do yeah, not the Bears were good last year. This year they suck. I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Trust me. Hey, you know, uh, you know what the Chiefs might be there, by the way? It what? might be the 2006 Colts. They went to the Super Bowl and won. Yeah, but like. Yeah, the, against the Bears. Yeah, but like, the, yeah. Remember they had like that kind of crappy defense that suddenly magically got great at the end of the year? Or like, oh, maybe the 2009 Saints. Like, they, they didn't have a good defense. They just got hot and turned the ball over a bunch. The, anyway, just. Chiefs defense is getting better. The Chiefs are that like sleeping. Cause like, we talked about them all offseason at the beginning of the year. And as soon as Patrick Williams got hurt and Lamar took off, no one has really talked about them as that threat. And now that they're not going to get a first round bye, no one talks about them. And they're that team that if you're in the AFC hosting playoff games, that's the one team you don't want to face because even though you can run on them, you don't want to face Patrick. Well, Williams. we'll get a preview this week because I feel like they can beat the Patriots in New England. Mm. A lot of people are going to pick them to beat the Patriots after last, last week. Just worth noting. Uh, Bree, choose your, did you give your number two already? I did. Okay, Sean, number two. Did you give your number two already? Harbaugh. We, right. Harbaugh. It's then, literally uh, your turn. We right all have there. Belichick at number one. Well, no, I, no, we don't. No, we don't. Ryan doesn't. Say, the number one discussion was not going to be fun. Now it is going to be fun because someone on this podcast doesn't think Bill Belichick's the best coach in the NFL. Realistic Belichick, one guy is Vic Fangio. So that's very <laughs> I have a dual number one, Vic Fangio and Freddie Kitchens. Here's the thing. So before I tell you my number one, I want you to consult your list, and that will be your coaching staff. And you can coach. Go ahead. I, I know who his number one is. Who is he not named? Harbaugh? It's Harbaugh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because he's so first look. on the Ravens bandwagon. So let's say you, you're coaching the AFC Pro Bowl team with your five coaches for the course of an NFL season. I just want you to have a team. Do you feel like your coaching staff is going to be my young, up-and-coming, go-get-em coaching staff 
because you guys have a lot of issues to worry about with Belichick and Andy Reid. Offense and defense clearly covered. I'm, I'm not done. John Harbaugh, special teams. <laughs> I think I've walked myself into a corner. <laughs> We're going to give you a chance to the coaching draft version over here. You did yours in a coaching year situation. We understand that. We're not going to hold you to this for social media. So if you were doing your top five coaches in the NFL right now. Yeah, but we know, obviously. But I was, uh, you know, we know about Bill, Bill Belichick and Andy Reid. Those are obviously top five guys. But I didn't want to put Belichick. In. I totally Reed is sort of he's obviously on this list over Sean McDermott, for example. But I could take out Sean McDermott and put in Andy Reid at number three. And Belichick, he's always number one, so I didn't put him on there because we were doing coach there this year, Candace. But yes, clearly those two guys deserve to be on there. I think that's it, though. Everyone else had Tomlin. Um, I think Sean had Tomlin just on the outside. Sean Payton was obviously on there. You guys didn't have Kyle Shanahan. I w- I thought about it over Carroll, but. Tom and Shanahan both missed the cut barely for me. And no mention of Matt LaFleur, who has a team that's won eight, what, eight and three, nine and three? That's on um, breach. That's breach that mentioned Matt LaFleur. That's his fault. Also, Kyle <laughs> Shanahan has never beaten Pete Carroll, so I don't know how you could possibly have Shanahan ahead of Carroll. I can turn around my computer and show you my list and show you how it's possible. <laughs> I, I, I did kind of a Brinson approach. I think that like entire body of work throughout careers mattered, and I think Shanahan eventually – could get there, but this is his first great year, and it's not like the last couple of years were his fault. I don't want to hold it against him, but I did want to reward coaches who've done it for a long time. What about Coach of the Year? Is he on your list for that? Yeah, he would be. I mean, Harbaugh's number one. I mean, I don't know. I have to think about it. Har- My Coach of the Year candidate would be Harbaugh, McDermott, Shanahan. No, no, sorry. Harbaugh, McDermott, Tomlin, Shanahan. Uh, and then throw whoever else you want in there. That's my list. I mean, that's that's what I did. I had Peyton number five. Yeah, then Peyton probably five. Yeah, that's probably the five. It's a good list, Ryan. See, thank you. I would have Peyton at the top. Unfortunately, it's going to result in you being blasted <laughs> on social media tomorrow. I'm going to get, what's it called, doxed? Yeah, doxed, yes. Uh, <laughs> a couple five-star reviews to get to. Reminder, if you leave a five-star review with a question, um, whatever it is, we will answer it. Uh, you got to leave it on Apple Podcasts. This first one is titled, In Defense... Of Sean. You love to see it. <laughs> Sean, I hate you. Sorry, Sean, <laughs> Sean, I'm with you. Brussels sprouts are delicious, wildly underappreciated, absolutely essential cla- to a classic Thanksgiving dinner. I've never been to a Thanksgiving without them. Sean is right, and I've got, I got attacked for no reason. But I'm with you, Sean. Brussels sprouts all the way. By the way, if you want to be, if you want to have them be even better, have them with bacon. Spectacular. Thank you. That's from Mike C6464 via Apple Podcasts. Uh, let's make one thing clear here. Brussels sprouts rock. I had Brussels sprouts for dinner tonight. Amazing. Some sriracha honey drizzled on top of them. Brussels sprouts are awesome. But I don't do Brussels sprouts at Thanksgiving. That's weird. I would rather eat out of a cat litter box than eat Brussels sprouts. Oh, see, it's the worst food that's ever been invented. Yes. Well, it. you heat up Chick-fil-A after a full day in the fridge, so that's understandable from Delicious. Not even in the Brinson, co- you don't you would you don't it's not a part of your Thanksgiving, but say for example, twenty years from now, you come over to my house for Thanksgiving because we're buds and we're podcasting still somehow. You're still and, living in that one room bedroom apartment by yourself. <laughs> exactly. And and your neighbor tells big, us to shut up. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he'd probably because Brinson would not be nice to him, so he'd probably punch Brinson. Um it's a big table of food out. You know, you got your turkey, you got your mashed potatoes, got your stuffing and all that. 
and there's an amazing pot of Brussels sprouts there. You would 100% take a scoop of the Brussels sprouts and put it on your plate. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to not eat the Brussels sprouts, but I just don't see them served at Thanksgiving. Well, it's clearly some sort of just, you know, we all just grow up in our families and whatever they do, that's what we do because it's always been a staple of uh, my family's. Your family's doing it wrong, Sean. Sorry to tell you. Well, who's this? who left this review? Mike C. It's got your back. Mike C., I'm with you. You're invited to the Wagner McGoffs in 20 years. All right, I'm well, going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold you to that. I hope Mike C. tweets at you in 20 years and says, hey, man, you promised me Thanksgiving 2039. Done. If, if he wants to come over and eat Brussels sprouts, we'll have you. <laughs> I'm going to tweet out this. Uh, I'm going to tweet out a, a, a poll. Good idea, Breach. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out if America agrees with Sean's take that Brussels sprouts are Thanksgiving it's, food. Brenton's going to tweet out. We'll find out, Sean. I just, There's nothing no, to argue anymore. My only last thing I want to say is that every outlet, including CBS Sports, tweets their build your perfect Thanksgiving dinner with, like, the prices and you have $20 to spend. Brussels sprouts was on every single one of those. So well, clearly, that's because half of those outlets stole the one we used at CBS Sports. So you're saying CBS Sports is fake news? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying that we're the original. That's right, and we, include, and we included Brussels sprouts as a $4 option. Do you call them Brinson sprouts? <laughs> I would not eat Brinson sprouts. And you know his hair place has a million of those laying around. <laughs> yeah, that could get confusing at Thanksgiving. Uh, so here's the, here's the poll. Current podcast debate unfolding, are Brussels sprouts a standard Thanksgiving food item? We are not debating whether they're good, just if they're a Thanksgiving staple. Fair. Hashtag Sean sucks. <laughs> You're not invited to Thanksgiving in 20 years, Ryan. Yeah, I'll be lucky if I'm around. Whoa. Jeez, Ryan, this has turned dark. I can't wait to the Ryan Memorial podcast. That will probably be an emergency pod, right? <laughs> can you imagine? Diva's like, nah, we can we can wait till tomorrow. By the way, I learned something this Thanksgiving. It's Brussels sprout. It's not Brussels sprouts. I didn't think I could hate you anymore. No, I just, I realized. Exciting breaking news. I know what you're going to say. Don't say it. What are you, I find say it. What am I going to say? You're going to say no one cares. No. No. God, no. Uh, Russell Wilson has changed his Twitter avatar to baby. baby. Yeah, to baby Yoda. Amazing. It's uh, Someone actually tweeted at me as we were recording this podcast that I should bring up baby Russell Wilson. Um, so now we have. Um, well, the Seahawks tweet out a picture of baby Russell Wilson. You know, I, every, everyone on Seahawks Twitter, changed, they, the Seahawks did one and added, like, the Russell hair and the hat. And, like, if you follow anyone who's part of Seahawks Twitter, like uh, Cable Thanos, um, uh, Ben Baldwin, Mina Kimes did it. Um, who else do I follow? These are, uh, uh, Brian Newhauser of, of Hawk Blogger. Um, a bunch of all these Seattle people, right? And so the, all their avatars are the same. It's really annoying because you can't tell who the hell's talking. It's just like it's like you can't you can't figure it out who it is. Uh, now Russell has done the same thing, so that's exciting. Well, it's it, it it makes sense though because you can't normally tell Seahawks fans apart because they all wear that stupid twelve fan jersey. So this makes sense. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say it makes sense because Yoda's a robot and Russell Wilson's a robot, just acknowledging another robot in his Twitter avatar. A robot, Russell Wilson is. <laughs> That's awesome. That guy just dropped his weights at the gym again. Uh, by the way, early votes, heavy nose. 
Okay, well, this yes. is like looking at exit polling right after right after people go vote in polls. Let's give it some time. People, no, lie. this is like looking at exit polling in in uh, Texas, where you already know the outcome. We know who's going to win, and they don't care what they tell you after they vote. Here's my prediction: Sean will be like, "That's probably just people who don't like Brussels sprouts in general." I'm just no. It's indicative of your followers. Like, let's be honest: if you follow Will Brinson on Twitter. Little bit messed up in the mind. Don't you follow? Yeah, and messed up people would eat Brussels sprouts at Thanksgiving dinner. So you have a weird beef with Brussels sprouts. I here's what I, my theory because at least Brinson agrees with me. Brussels sprouts are good. I don't know how Ryan feels. I don't like them. Oh, okay. <laughs> my theory is that if you haven't had Brussels sprouts that are cooked well, then you probably don't like them. But if Brussels sprouts are well done, they're incredible. Yeah, I've but had- if. No. If they're just lazily cooked and whatever, and like Absolutely. not seasoned and not cooked all the way, you're like, not- if you have medium, like medium rare Brussels sprouts, you're going to be in hell because they're crunchy and like taste bitter. But you get a nice pan glaze on them, and you make sure you got like some sauce, like some like some uh, you toss some like Italian sauces, some garlic on that, like on there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brussels- Sorry, you guys can talk about this. So, Brussels- so Brussels sprouts are so horrible that you have to mask their taste with all that flavor. Uh, that's a sign of a bad food. Boom. Boom. Dunked on. Thanks. For um, the uh, meat house here locally does some pre-made Brussels sprouts that have bacon and onions with them. Oh, yeah. Mm. You, you love to see it. Um, Monigo, Mon, Mon, Ihigo, uh, asked on Apple Podcasts, what does angrier than a box of frogs mean? What do you think it means, Brunson? <laughs> I think it's just, uh, well, I mean, if you box up a bunch of frogs, you're going to be pissed off and jumping around and flying every which way. It's just something like, yeah, exactly. Like something like if you grew up in the middle of nowhere, which I did, some stupid thing you would do as an eight-year-old, have a bunch of frogs in a box running around doing Lord knows what. You open the box and they're going crazy. And it's just some – I mean if you like grew up in the south and you know sort of random old-timers, they just say weird things and you sort of get the gist of what they're meaning, like context clues. And that's like angrier than a box of frogs. Did someone say this on the podcast? Yeah, I was doing my impersonation of Jerry Jones when he um, got mad at Jason Garrett finally after the Patriots game, I believe. Yeah. He was madder than a wet hen. I just want to use another random one. <laughs> oh, uh, Debo looked it up on uh, dictionary. What is that? Urban dictionary. On dictionary. <laughs> uh, that's not that's not good news for Ryan. If he's saying yeah. something that we have to go to urban dictionary, I for, will not read it out loud. Bad history for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. This is the non-sexual one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, very mad, but typically refers to someone in the public eye. Of course, as the very idea of putting frogs in a box is eccentric to say the least. One who's very mad can be said. It can be can be said to be as mad as a box of frogs. It's actually a perfect. I gotta give Ryan credit. It's a perfect way to describe Jerry Jones being angry because he's like all bottled up in a box of emotions and it's like a bunch of you're like circumcising mosquito out here, man. There uh, you go. By the way, do we know that Jason Garrett isn't a robot? No. He's just not programmed right. He needs to get his software updated. When he went for that fourth down. On uh, on his own twenty, all I could think was like he'd been replaced by a robot, and he's like tied up in the bowels of Jerry World, like, like screaming at the television. He was watching, like, "No, don't go!" No, you know what happened? He escaped from Westworld, and he's trying to get out of there. <laughs> and he started doing all sorts of crazy things, and they, they went and got him and put him back on the farm, and that's where he is now. <laughs> um, SB Trey twenty three wants to know, Breach, did you ever try to kick? At any level, and if so, what's the highest level you've kicked at? And unfortunately, John, we will keep you honest here. I will. I'll answer this in two parts. One, 
my kicking knowledge comes from my dad who played for the Bengals for 13 years, played for the Raiders for one year. So he's in the NFL for 14 years. And all we did was kick literally every day of my childhood was kicking footballs on our side yard, uh, punting footballs. Like we weren't allowed to use our hands. It was like playing soccer except with a football. Um, so that is, and then I kicked and punted in high school and then I punted at the division three level in college at tiny little Hanover college in Madison, Indiana, which, by the way, is where Woody Harrelson and Vice President Mike Pence both attended. Uh, and so D3 was the highest I played. Then I transferred to Miami of Ohio and did not play there. My younger brother was a Division II All-American at West Virginia Wesleyan, which coincidentally just happens to be the school where Joe Montana's son was a quarterback. And your sister, was she an All-American in soccer? She was in soccer at Northern Arizona. Nice. So would you say that on a scale of 1 to 10, is it a 8 or a 9 in terms of shame for being <laughs> not living up to the family name? Oh, I have five brothers and sisters, six total kids. I'm literally probably the fifth best kicker <laughs> based on talent. Like my sister, the soccer All-American – in her heyday, she could hit a 45-yard field goal left-footed. I can't hit a 10-yard field goal left-footed. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm way down the list. I'm not ashamed of it. That's why I'm a writer and not a pro kicker. You know what happened, Breach? And you would actually be – you would be in the Hall of Fame right now in the NFL if every football looked like a Brussels sprout. You would kick the crap out of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the I, truth. I bet your dad ate Brussels sprouts. What was the longest field goal you could hit in your prime? Uh, the longest I ever made is probably like 56, Ooh. but that's not, I feel like most, once you get to college, you see all these guys that can all go to like 60, 65. I'd say most kickers could probably hit NFL kickers in practice could probably hit 70. Was, uh, yeah, go ahead. Was your 56 yarder with like a rush or is that just no, no, like, just like in practice? Okay. Was it, was there like a tornado behind you or a hurricane gale force winds? I believe that he could do that. Well, I mean, I in practice, it's not, you know, there's no rush. You're just kind of, the holder just kind of puts the ball down and it's a kick. So in college, just, I was able to do a 45 yarder. So I, yeah, I, I did a 45 yarder in college too. So mm-hmm. like, I bet you breach with actual training could hit like a 56 yarder. Yeah, me, me and Ryan definitely just trying to get on the humble brag there. Look yeah, at that well, smile. I'm going to make myself feel even better. Brinson, how far do you think you can kick a football? <laughs> I mean, I played soccer in high school. I'm sure I can kick it 55 yards. That bet's on. No way. I don't think I could hit a 45-yarder right now. I don't think you could hit a 35-yarder, Brinson. Well, this is what we're doing next time we go down to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> the local high school, and we will have a kickoff, and we will film it. And it will be humiliating for someone, probably Ryan, because he'll tear his ACL mid-swing. Maybe, or maybe you. After I think my, money, my money's on Brinson embarrassing himself. Nah, please. All right, we got we got to actually do this, and we got to set up like the listeners can like vote who they think will win. Let's get some wagers going and all that. All right, uh, Debo, 
Who do you think, uh, he's gonna bail me out. I'm not gonna, he's gonna dog on me. He's gonna give a shot. He's the only person that sticks up for you. Ah, Ryan's, Ryan always talks about playing soccer, so everybody's gonna buy into the idea that Ryan can actually kick a football for you. You gotta start talking more about Chelsea. Get your, get your people on your side. Please. Marvelous touch. Marvelous touch. I almost tweeted that. You tweet, I woke up to a text on Saturday morning that was marvelous touch hotspur. <laughs> you no, know, you you do realize I'm leaning into this as aggressive. I, I'm very aware that what you're doing, but still, that it's not the first thing I want to see when I wake up on a Saturday morning. By the way, that's how a robot tweets about soccer. So maybe Brenton's a robot. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Let's get out of here. Time to go. Time to go home. By the way, seventy percent of people <laughs> don't want to see Brussels sprouts. Let's go. All right, see you guys tomorrow. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.